If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to Hello Somebody, a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia, where we rage against the machine, where we raise our voices against injustice and stand up for justice, where we embrace hope and joy with an optimism for a brighter, more just future. Each week, I'll be dropping knowledge, whether it's a solo episode from me or a hearty discussion with esteemed guests doing great things in spaces and places of politics, entertainment, social justice, and beyond. We get real, baby. I mean, really real. We get honest. We get up close and personal for you. Yes, you. Because everybody is somebody. Before we begin, I want to give a special shout out to my team. Thank you, Sim. Tiffany, Sam, and the team over at Good Juju Studios, Erica England, Pepper Chambers, the hot one, and my social media team. Hello, somebody. We are back, family. I'm so glad that you're here yet again. We have an extraordinary topic, extraordinary guest. And yes, I say this quite often because I'm just not going to have people on the show that I don't find extraordinary. Hello, somebody on that. I mean, what sense would that make? Yes, we are bringing extraordinary content on Hello, Somebody on the Black Effect Podcast Network. That is what we do. But right now, this is something that really will penetrate your heart, your soul, and your mind. At least I think so. And I know my two fabulous guests believe the same thing. I have with me today, baby, none other then Alan Minsky, who is the executive director of an organization called PDA. And if you don't know what PDA is, let me go on and shout it out. It is the Progressive Democrats of America. How you doing, Alan? I'm doing great. It's great to be with you. Send it is turn. so good to be with you. And then I have the one and only Dr. Harvey K. from Wisconsin by way of New York. And he is a professor, author, an expert 
on the one and only president FDR in the New Deal era. And as he often says, he is not here to romanticize anything about FDR in that era. But what he does know, what we are embracing is the great vision that President FDR had when it came to an economic bill of rights in the, these United States of America. And why we have these two with us right now is because they have teamed up to put a little 21st century spice on that thing. The 21st century economic bill of rights born from some of the foundation that President FDR and some of his contemporaries, but President FDR laid. And as Professor Harvey K continues to remind us all, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we can add him up in there too with the Poor People's Movement, which Reverend William Barber is continuing the 21st century version of that. And then one of the greatest unionists of the 20th century, the one and only Asa Philip Randolph, who led the union, the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters. That was for black porters on the train. So we're going to talk about all of these fabulous things right here on Hello, Somebody. Dr. Harvey K., how you doing today? I am so excited to be here. I can tell you, it is such a thrill. I mean, you and I have done things together, but I, somehow I feel like I'm really in the room with you right now. Yeah, I'm feeling that too. We are virtual, you all, but we hopefully will be in the room in 3D together really soon. I'm feeling this too. I was so excited and giddy to talk to you both about this. I just want to commend you both for bringing your talents together and seizing this moment of magnificence. You know, I was interviewed by a reporter who's writing an article about the history that is about to be made by Justice Kentaji Brown Jackson. And one of the questions that he asked me was the importance of this moment and how do we separate representation from results? In other words, is it enough for the black community in particular, to know that history is about to be made with the first black woman Supreme Court justice. And what about the other things on the list for the black community as well? And what I said, I'm paraphrasing my own self, it is magnificent in every way. And we need to pause and reflect on this magnificence. But I want some other magnificent things to happen too to add to that list that we need other magnificent things to happen along with this particular magnificent moment. And cue in you too. Because part of creating more magnificent moments for all working class people, and this would have a disproportionate positive impact on the black community, is the magnificence of embracing a 21st century economic bill of rights. So, Dr. K, I'm going to start with you and then we're going to go over to Brother Allen. Tell us about, you know, why this moment, why right now and what is it about the foundation that President FDR Although not perfect, none of us are. What is it about the foundation that he built in the 1940s that is relevant to right now, 2022? It's relevant for a start, and let's hope we can make it happen. It's relevant for a start because when FDR pronounced the Economic Bill of Rights in 1944 in a State of the Union message, he did so empowered by the fact that around 85% of Americans had indicated in polling that they wanted it. And he articulated no way, what Americans no way. wanted. 85%. No 85%. way. 85%. You're making that up. I can tell you're you. You're making it up. I just don't believe it. <laughs> well, you're a fellow historian. We don't make no, things up. Right? No, we do not make things up. <laughs> we don't do that. I'm joking. I remember when I came across the evidence, when I found the polls themselves, I thought, this is unbelievable because it was not only that 95% of Democrats who were asked wanted national health care, guaranteed universal health care, 75% of Republicans wanted it. Wow. 
the Republicans came to realize they came within inches themselves in 1944 of endorsing the idea of universal health care, but they didn't. The key thing is, is that ever since 1944, the kinds of things that are enumerated in FDR's original Economic Bill of Rights, like guaranteed health care, a guaranteed job at a living wage, guaranteed education for young people to pursue it as far as their capacities would take them, okay? Americans wanted them, and Americans have always wanted them. What's fascinating is to think about this along the way. First of all, in 1960, the Democratic Party platform was actually constructed in terms of the Economic Bill of Rights. It actually enumerates the Economic Bill of Rights and what legislation they intend to pursue to realize it. Lyndon Johnson and the Great Society and the War on Poverty basically took on some of that. But what's more interesting, we've talked about Asa Philip Randolph, is Randolph in 1965 issued a freedom budget for all Americans, a 10-year plan to bring an end to poverty, to renew rural areas, and to revitalize urban areas. And 150 leading labor leaders, civil rights leaders, academics, university presidents, foundation leaders endorsed the idea. They absolutely endorsed the idea. And moreover, Johnson himself was going to hold and did hold a White House symposium to honor A. Philip Randolph's commitment to those very kinds of things. The tragedy is, of course, the war in Vietnam that LBJ was so committed to pursuing drained resources from the possibilities. But it was not the end of the story. In 1968, not long before the tragedy of his assassination, Martin Luther King Jr. issued a call for an economic bill of rights for all Americans. Now, the call itself was heard, but it was not picked up again as a possibility until Senator Bernie Sanders in his campaign, especially in 2019 and 20, on his website laid out a 21st century type of economic bill of rights. And I can't tell you how excited I was. I mean, I, I was just overjoyed. Well, this past year, as you know, I was requested by the young folks at the Gravel Institute to do a video on FDR's Economic Bill of Rights. They did a really great production of it. And Alan and I had been working together on radio and some YouTube shows. And Alan, thank goodness, thought this could be a great project to really take on and pursue in association with progressive Democrats and hopefully other progressive groups would sign on. And then, seriously speaking, When you and I connected, when you reached out, I knew we could make things happen. That's how optimistic I am right now. Oh, that's beautiful, Doc. Yeah, when I saw you rolling with Alan, you know, that's it. That's the seal of approval right there. And I'm glad that you, I DM'd you. I was so excited and giddy about what you both are doing. And this is, um, I am incredibly blessed to be one of what I hope is millions of people on this journey with both of you. But it takes somebody to start the spark. And, and Doc, as you laid out, Senator Bernie Sanders certainly cemented that spark in 2020. We had started it in 2016. I was right there with him, as many of the people who are listening to us today know on both of his campaigns. And to really have a presidential candidate call it out in that way hadn't been done for uh, quite some time. So, Brother Alan Minsky, we queuing you in on this. Why did PDA take this up as a cause? Well, PDA, of course, we we were the sole national organization to call on uh, 
relatively obscure Vermont senator run for president. And uh, the decision was made by the leadership of PDA in 2013. And I was at the retreat at the top of 2014, where it was officially approved by the group of uh, leaders for PDA who were at the retreat. And we launched the Run Bernie Run campaign and we were by ourselves for about 14 months. I remember watching on television state senator from Ohio <laughs> described the change in mind that she had upon hearing of Senator Bernie Sanders. And instantly um, at that moment, I have became a fan of Nina Turner's and I remain so through to this day, of course. But why now? Because a few reasons, I would say. One is we have massive imbalances in the distribution of wealth in our society. And the economic message of the progressive left resonates with the general population. And look, the progressive left has tremendous assets, including majority support for much, if not most, if not all of its policy positions across the totality of American society. And certainly a much better level of support than we do as a political formation in elections. Now, why is that? We have tremendous uh, material disadvantages compared to the establishment. Now, why is that? Because wealth is incredibly concentrated in the United States and we know the power of money in American politics. But another reason is because the still the major media narrative is defined uh, within sort of a politically established media and they are not going to give us the opportunity to present our economic uh, policies in the way that we could. And we need to have incredible clarity in our messaging around specifically economic policies. Because the status quo, there are elements of the progressive agenda that they may embrace, they may have a soft embrace. They're not likely going to embrace a challenge to the economic concentration and political power that goes along with that economic concentration of wealth in society. When the very thing that American people want is to have a prosperous middle-class society. I think the 21st Century Bill of Rights is also very important to bring forward too, because the post-FDR economic distribution within American society was the most prosperous middle-class society that the world had ever seen. Unfortunately and tragically, of course, it was only extended to white Americans. In the 21st century, it has to absolutely and will be. In no way, shape, or form can it be embraced unless it is clearly accessible to all populations. I could go on from here, but the welfare of American society if we can adopt these economic policies and we can return to having a prosperous middle-class society, not only will it be a boon to all of our lives in tremendous ways, it'll be an incredible economic boon for the United States of America. Just to give an example, we're the only major industrial technological, the so-called rich countries in the world that actually has a massive pool of poor people inside it. Basically, that 21st Century Economic Bill of Rights, in imperfect ways, is basically embraced by every other industrial technological society in, world, in, in the world. We know they all have universal, basically single-payer healthcare systems. We don't, okay? We also know that they do not have massive pools of poverty in their society. They don't have mass incarceration like the United States of America. You can go down a whole string of social indices. And the domestic population of the United States is doing substantially worse, drug addiction, depression rates, et cetera. All of them are absent in the other industrialized technological societies. And so if we in the United States look at 60, 80, 100 million Americans, maybe even more than that, who would be lifted economically by 
the economic social contract inherent in the 21st century economic bill of rights, that is massive GDP growth, among other things. All of the society will benefit. Imagine all the people who can be entrepreneurs if they can enter the middle class, how they'll have more money to spend. The, now, it's very important that we also have the kind of industrial policy to go along with it. And that's also there from the components of the 21st century economic bill of rights that address things like the climate crisis, because we need a recreation of manufacturing in the United States. But at its basic thrust, it's the idea that if you work a job, it's a full-time job, you only should have one job and you should have a living wage. By the way, one other thing to note that Americans do that is not prominent in other countries, we overwork. We don't have control of our own lives in the way that people in other countries do because we're working four, eight, 12, 20 more hours per week than people in other countries where basically when they work their jobs, they have a living wage for their to live in their societies. Let's rest right there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Alan, I often talk about, when we talk, think about quality of life, uh, to me that is that it, it encapsulates a lot. And I think that we have a mentality in the United States of America that poor people or the working poor are especially not entitled to a high quality of life. Some of that is addressed in the Economic Bill of Rights. In other words, should be able to smell the roses, should be able to buy a gently used, certified used car, should be able to spend time with their children if they have them, if they don't have children, should be able to do the things that encapsulate what it means to live a full life, that you are not working your fingers to the bone all day, every day. And that is foreign to a lot of people in this country. We have been programmed to think that you should be working a two and three jobs just to make ends meet and that there is no place for you if you are poor to sit back and take in the beauty that is life, the beauty that is Mother Earth. And that really gets to me because I watch my parents who are among the working poor, but particularly I, I think a lot of, of listeners who listen on a regular basis know my part of my story of having my mother die at a very young age. She was only 42 years old. She had a brain aneurysm. And so that is physical. But what hastened that death? 
has a lot to do with her environment. You know, having seven children, being among the working poor, being stressed the hell out, you know, even in the best conditions, having seven kids, I don't know how she did it. But it's a lot of extra stressors in being a black woman in America and having those particular variables and being seen as a throwaway of somebody that caused his own pain in her life, having seven children, painful. Why did you have so many children? You couldn't afford those children. You know, just all of the judgments that are placed on people who are poor. And we come to accept the collective we to accept a notion that if you are poor, somehow it is totally your fault. It's something that you did or did not do right. And if you are ultra, ultra wealthy, you are grand and perfect. And therefore you have done everything right. And so you are getting what you deserve as the ultra, 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 ultra wealthy person. And that poor person is getting what they deserve because they did something to cause it. And so what our conversation is encapsulating, the three of us believe that there is some systemic failures. And when Alan, when you talked about welfare, it made me want to switch that around and say welfare as in the well-being of people in this country uh-huh. that would extend to the world. Did I encapsulate that? Did I did I capture it? Oh, absolutely beautifully. And you know, one of the things that I when I do these uh, conversations on the subject, I, I do need to be cut off because I can go on forever. Dr. Harvey K is shaking his head, y'all. He's shaking his head. <laughs> the social benefits are just legion, yes. are absolute legion. legion. Yes. Look, people think that free college is unaffordable. People act like it's free college for everybody in the society at once. No, people go to college for four years out of their lives. It's something society can afford. Other societies almost again, you know, even as Germany People think that there's been a neoliberalization. There's been some of some of the other prosperous countries in the world. And yet under Angela Merkel as the chancellor of Germany, do you know they made not only college free through university for all people in Germany, that if you go in a stat and you live there, all foreigners are able to go to German universities and colleges for free if they want to. You don't even have to be a resident. It's all doable. Let me just add something. I always get a kick out of this fact that our 10th right in the Economic Bill of Rights, which we've sort of implied already, the right to recreation and participation in civic and democratic life. And one of the things that we talked about is the fact that when FDR created a little commission to give him advice in the 30s and 40s as to what a post-depression, post-war America might be like, they actually proposed the right to adventure. I love it. I remember a time you and I were talking and you'd love that. I Nina. do. And I can tell you that I think it's just a great idea that Americans should have a right to adventure. Look, we're supposed to be a grand experiment. So adventure ought to be part of it. The other thing I want to say is that we built into this Economic Bill of Rights a series of initiatives that would enhance American democracy. Alan has spoken powerfully of the question of prosperity. I want to emphasize that this is an essential plan for redeeming, for rescuing and enhancing democracy in the face of the crisis that we are in right mm. now. Mm-hmm. Redeeming. I love it. Man, you're taking me to church, doctor. Thank you. I love that word too. Redeeming. And everyone says, isn't that kind of religious? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, oh, it is. We. 
Oh, you speaking my love language on that redeeming. And when Alan said legions of social benefit, I mean, that there's something about those words. It, it is the expectation. Our expectation levels are low. And people who want to maintain the status quo, they want it that way. They want folks not to expect. Let's go back to the canceled student debt. We know, thank the Debt Collective and all the other organizations like PDA and the Dream Defenders and so many other organizations that are right in lockstep with pushing this president to just go ahead on and cancel the student debt. I want to use that as an example because part of what FDR envisioned was education for all. He might not have envisioned it in the same way that we do in the 21st century, but that marker was there, was it not? education uh, for all. So we can imagine it any way we want. We can reimagine it for the 21st century. And the thought that we have 45 million people and the folks who love those 45 million people impacted, right? Because everybody has somebody that loves them. 45 million people and their families impacted by about $1.7 trillion worth of debt that we would not do what was necessary to relieve them of that debt and flood this economy with a lot of goodness, people would have more disposable income. And I just don't believe, and I wish I kind of understand it now more than even when I was in college as a first generation college graduate, it makes no damn sense logically for my life that I am going to sign up to carry this kind of debt for what the crime of trying to make my life better and my family's life better. And by extension, there's a communal benefit to me gaining a higher education. I would make more money over over my lifetime. It's just all of the, it's a, a great return on investment to me that this country would extend its paradigm to pre-K to college or voc ed and that we would see that as our social contract in the same way that we say we see K through 12 education. All it is is an expansion of what we already do. Why can't we get that? I don't understand what's so hard about doing this. And the president, the same authority that this president or any other president has over the Department of Education and those federal loans, the authority that the president has to place a moratorium is the same authority that the president has to cancel it all. I want to say two things. I want to keep them simple and straightforward as best as I possibly can. First of all, the student debt crisis emerged pretty much simultaneously with the transformation in the Democratic Party away from being a party that embraced the policies of FDR and basically capitulated to Reaganism, especially around the presidency of Bill Clinton in that period, to be a neoliberal party. And that's right when student debt starts going up and up and up. And that's the neoliberal social contract. The majority of the population is basically put on a hamster wheel of debt, and they have to race and race and race and race and do whatever they can to try to make those debt payments to keep their heads above water. And that's their lives. They overwork all the things we talked about. The second very straightforward thing I want to say is even more straightforward. Right now in the country, there are three political formations inside two political parties. Okay. There are on the right wing, there are the Trumpian reactionaries between softcore and hardcore racists on the right wing of the Republican Party. I'd argue that in terms of political economy, you can group together the neoliberal Democrats and neoliberal Republicans. So from the Mitt Romney Republicans through the Clinton Democrats. And then now there are emerged, thanks to people like Senator Bernie Sanders and Senator Neen Turner, a new political formation known to the American people who are progressives. And they are inside the Democratic Party. And when it comes to something like student debt, progressive Democrats say what they mean. We are for canceling student debt. And as the executive director of Progressive Democrats of America, I can say, 
And I can say this is also true of all of our other partners on the progressive left organizations. Uh, people are probably familiar with a, a group of them. We will support a candidate, yes, among other things that they say we want universal student debt cancellation. If they get into office and they do not hold that position, we will no longer support them. And that goes issue after issue for Medicare for all, for all of the elements that make up the legislative package of the 21st Century Economic Bill of Rights. We are a political formation that are true to our word, and we stand for the remaking of the American economy, basically along the lines of what FDR put out as a template, but now in the 21st century, certainly afforded to all of the residents and citizens of the United States. Yeah, we can build on that. Dr. K, will you enumerate the points for people who are joining us in this conversation? And then after the enumeration, I want to get into the extra special impact that this would have on the Black community and other communities of color. Happily. Here we go. From the top. The right to a useful job that pays a living wage, and we mean a living wage. The right to a voice in the workplace through a union and collective bargaining. Uh, Back in the 1930s, 1940s, they had a term, industrial democracy, that was very much in the minds of the New Dealers that FDR brought to Washington, a voice in the workplace. Three, the right to comprehensive quality health care. And as I said, 85% of Americans wanted that in 1944. And I can tell you that at no time since 1944 has less than a majority of Americans agreed with the fundamental principle of health care. Four, the right to a complete cost-free public education and access to broadband internet. And I just want to add, I don't mean to go on about FDR, and I'm not trying to, to make him a saint, but in the 1930s, they created under the New Deal, the National Youth Administration to keep young people in school. And that included not only what people assumed to be the white students, one million young African-American students took advantage of that. And during the 1930s, the greatest number of students graduated high school in American history up to that point. It also provided for work study for college students. And then let's not forget, though he did not get the Economic Bill of Rights, he did get through the GI Bill of Rights, which afforded 12 million of the 16 million Americans who served in uniform to pursue the betterment of their own lives and the betterment of the nation. And that created the prosperity of the post-war now, period. Now, before you move on to that, there's a however to that, right? Many black veterans. Yes, there were many who did enjoy it, okay? But of course, in the South, especially, admission to white universities was still segregated, okay? And it's also the case that quite often, as occurred during the 1930s in the New Deal, to get things enacted, the white supremacists who ruled the South basically carved out the kinds of things such as National Labor Relations Act and the Social Security Act. They carved out agricultural workers and household workers. So there is a regular pattern there, okay? We are post-60s now. And these are the kind of things that we can make happen. The next, the right to decent, safe, affordable housing. Number six, the right to a clean environment and a healthy planet. Number seven, the right to a meaningful endowment of resources at birth and a secure retirement. These two ideas, by the way, go all the way back to the American Revolution when Thomas Paine proposed the original Social Security plan. And he said, not only should we afford 
folks who can no longer work and should no longer work as they reach maturity of age, but also we should make sure young people, before they even enter into work, are afforded a stake, S-T-A-K-E, a grant of money for education, for buying land, for setting up in a business. So it goes way back. And this is the means by which we can address the utterly ridiculous inequalities of wealth in this country, which, of course, are so bound up with the question of race in America as well. Number eight, the right to sound banking and financial services. Number nine, the right to an equitable and economically fair justice system. And finally, as I said before, the right to recreation and participation in civic and democratic life. I'll just finish by saying, number two, the right to a voice in the workplace. And number nine, an equitable and economically fair justice system. And 10, the right to recreation and participation in civic and democratic life. We have built right into this the idea that we are going to enhance American democratic life. Because let's face it, you cannot continue to have democracy unless you continue to extend and deepen it. Amen to that. And one of the quotes from FDR that is right in the, and and you both have written, there's actually two op-eds out uh, published in Common Dreams. So I encourage folks, and we'll make sure we have the links in the show notes. But the, the quote from FDR that you both used to submit this Economic Bill of Rights when FDR declared as you write in the 21st Century Economic Bill of Rights op-ed, and this is FDR, we have come to a clear realization of the fact that true individual freedom cannot exist without economic security and independence. Necessitous men are not free. We have accepted, so to speak, a second Bill of Rights under which a new basis of security and prosperity can be established for all regardless of station, race, or creed. Oh, my God. Yes. That is quite a foundation to build upon. And he was very visionary. I often say we need leaders that have a vision that provides provision. That's a turnerism, a vision to provide provision. And my God, that particular quote from President FDR encapsulates that very much, a vision that provides provision for the people. Absolutely. That's the kind of understanding we need to redeem in advance. Yes. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. And I want to throw something in, too, uh, in the number 10. The United States, again, is the only of the major countries that doesn't guarantee a vacation time. 
And one of the reasons people flip jobs as much as they do, oftentimes having to give up jobs that they might like, especially younger in life, is because they don't have any vacation time. They can't go. They can't travel. So they have to give up their job often in order to do something that really should be a part of all human experience, you know, travel the world and see the That's world. That's a great point. And it, it goes back to a quality of life. We should guarantee quality of life. And this 21st Century Economic Bill of Rights encapsulate those tenets that I believe are non-negotiable. And we should stand up and mm-hmm. say so that every human being is entitled to these things. Oh, my God, I just love you both so very much for this. And I feel redemption. I feel legions. I feel it all. This is real. This is ripe. This is ready. This is the right thing to do. So, Alan, how can people who are not running and they're not in elected office, how can the everyday person get involved, elevate their minds and then get involved in this justice journey how can they do that and then dr harvey k what is the role for the academy to play in this pursuit of the economic bill of rights so alan we're going to start with you yeah i would recommend that people first of all consider reaching out to progressive democrats of america where you can reach us at uh, info at pdamerica.org the website is pdamerica.org And it is actually essential that you be involved in the struggle for democracy. And the way really to do that is to, I believe at this point, and this is a little bit off subject, but I really do believe this, which is that, look, we we have a two-party system in this country. I'm not a political scientist. I haven't spent a lot of time trying to come up with a written answer as to why our political system has always defaulted into two parties, but it has. I don't think it's changing anytime soon. The Republican Party is off the rails. It is inaccessible to us in oh so many ways. The Democratic Party in every state has some kind of open apparatus to participate in it. And I encourage people, even if they don't run for office, to reach out to progressive organizations like PDA or Our Revolution, because both PDA and Our Revolution, in fact, we sit on a steering committee of the progressive caucuses inside the Democratic parties across the country. And we can through democratic participation work to transform the democratic party into what this country needs a people's party i'm not going to sell anybody on the idea that it's not a struggle inside the democratic party it is a titanic struggle inside the democratic party but the way to have democracy in this country is to have people participating in democracy and i would argue to accept what is a a stark reality of a two-party system, and only one of them is reformable. And we will not ever waver in our commitment to a project like the 21st Century Economic Bill of Rights. So please look out for chapters of PDA, look out for chapters of our revolution, contact them, find a space within them, and participate in actually, as Leonard Cohen says, democracy is coming to the USA. Let's make (laughs) democracy really come to the USA. Amen to that. And Dr. Harvey K., the role that the academy plays. And and also I want to add in nonprofit and faith-based institutions as well, civic organizations. Okay. One thing we haven't said, but this comes out in our writing, that is the work we're doing, Alan and I. And here's the thing. The conservatives, often aligned with neoliberals, have come after intellectuals, teachers, professors, the, the whole range of what's often even called the sort of public intellectual class. The fact is that they are trying to portray us all as only concerned with cultural issues. 
And there's no doubt we're concerned about cultural issues. But what progressives must put at the forefront of their politics is this kind of economic program. Now, what does that mean? It means for a start that academics themselves have to learn how to get outside of the academy. They've got an incredible story to tell. Look at the story that we've just shared, the story of FDR to A. Philip Randolph to Martin Luther King Jr. to Bernie Sanders. We could take it all the way back to the American Revolution. We could take it back to Frederick Douglass. The point is there is a progressive story and that story is a struggle for the purpose and promise of America. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we have got to raise our voices and encourage people to believe that the possibilities exist. And most especially now, and I'm going to answer a question you haven't asked me. I'm going to tell you that. Sounding like a politician. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm talking about a politician, okay? I'm going to tell everyone. Look, you know, my students often ask me, how do we judge a politician? What do we really do? They all say things. And I said, here's what you want to remember. You want to look for the candidate for the political figure who not only tells you they're going to fight for you and may even be fighting for you, but who will inspire the fight in you. Look, Americans in all their diversity carry a kind of progressive instinct. It's rooted in the promise, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Lincoln knew it. FDR knew it. Martin Luther King knew it. The fact is we have to speak to that possibility that prevails within people to join in solidarity, whether it's in their religious movements or in their labor unions. And they then have to rally behind politicians who themselves are inspiring the fight. Okay, I I can't emphasize that enough. And by the way, if you want to know who I had in mind when I said who inspires the fight in us, I'm talking about the woman who I'm speaking with right now. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) Sister Nina Turner. Thanks, Doc. I really do appreciate that so much. I mean, you have me saying that my team. I mean, it really gave me a moment to reflect. And you're absolutely right. All of the leaders that I hold dear to my heart did exactly what you are laying out. And I want to throw into that mix of people like uh, Fannie Lou Hamer uh, from the great state of Mississippi, a sharecropper who not let her condition dictate her putting her imprint on this world. She's had that kind of vision too. Congresswoman Barbara Jordan, what the people want is very simple. I'm quoting her. What the people want is very simple. They want an America as good as this promise. That sums up FDR's Economic Bill of Rights. That sums up our 21st century Economic Bill of Rights. What the people want is very simple. They want an America as good as this promise. How do we get there? We have enumerated those things and we can always add on to it because the beautiful thing about this vision is we can just keep on going. Let's not stop. Let's keep building on magnificence and opportunities. People like Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, as you both know, I talk about her a lot. There have been many people across generations who hold this kind of mentality in their hearts and their minds, and they do what they need to do to be an inspiration to people. Mother Jones comes to mind too. You know, she was a crusader standing up for coal miners, making it plain. One of my favorite quotes from her, she said she was uh, at a jail and she asked this man, why is he locked up? And he said he stole some shoes. And she said, if you had stolen a railroad, you would be a senator. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing her. <laughs> but but she's telling the truth, you know, and she talked about the Carnegie gang and all of that. The robber barons just laying it out, standing up for coal miners and children. 
And just the same types of people that we are standing up for and fighting for today. I cannot thank you both enough for joining us on Hello Somebody. We're going to have to come back and revisit this topic many, many times. The one and only Alan Minsky and the one and only Dr. Harvey K. We are talking about the 21st Century Economic Bill of Rights. And I want to add to that life, liberty, and everybody's pursuit of happiness. That's what we're working for. That's what we're standing up for. Get involved. Get engaged. Please join PDA. Join PDA on this mission Join other organizations on this mission But don't, for the love of God Do not sit on the sidelines You must get involved And Dr. K, what is your Twitter handle? How can folks find you? Harvey J-K-A-Y-E And I welcome all That's it, he does Now he will respond I think he'll respond You don't have to be Nina Turner To get a response And Alan, (laughs) PDA on Twitter At PD America And you? That's it, just I pretty much run through at okay. PD America. I have one, but I don't really use it. So at PD America. I did at you for that amazing, amazing, <laughs> amazing uh, second op-ed that you and Dr. Harvey K authored. Again, folks, we need you. We need you in this fight. All of us, all of us. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, we all can be great because baby, we all can serve. He ain't put the baby in there, but I am. We all can be great because we all can serve. So let's go ahead and get into service together. Let's do that. And all of the links and social media handles will be in the notes. So you can just go down there below and look at the notes and be able to read the articles, be able to find PDA, be able to find Alan, and you will also be able to find Dr. Harvey K. Oh my God, thank you both so very much. And I I am looking forward to continuing to be on this justice journey with you. I want everybody who's listening to keep the faith and keep the fight. Coming. The pain is numbing Try to shoot for the stars if you gon' aim for something Embrace the love for your brother and sister Unity's the missing brush, we need to puzzle this picture Let's paint it up, frame it up, for the world to see Hang the hatred up Enough is enough, is enough, making changes on us In Turner, her voice is the truth Her wise words inspire the youth to keep their eyes on the roof It's the end, never give up, keep conquering goals To the eye, intelligence, silver, wisdom is gold Back to the end, now is your time, stay firm, don't fold To the A, all you need is the three bones That's what Granny said Now I'ma make sure these words from Granny spread For all of here, just give her your ear She can take you to the promised land, I swear World peace is what they fear From Queens to Cleveland, Ohio, we here Famous Somebody is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 